Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to finish off Revelation chapter number 11 and move into Revelation chapter number 12. A lot of great stuff to get into, uh, especially in Revelation chapter number 12, because it's the one book of the Bible, or the one chapter, I should say, of the Bible that covers the entire book of, of history. And so it's really exciting when you consider those things which are written in that in that particular chapter is recognizing the entirety of timeline from Genesis to this point of Revelation, the end times. Before that, though, we're going to get into the seventh trumpet and the, the call of the trumpeteer and talk about trumpets a little bit just so that we get an idea of the way in which trumpets are used, and then we will proceed. Father, we are grateful for everything you have done. We thank you for this day and for the blessing of it. Pray that you will give us this this day, this piece of daily bread, that we may be nourished by it and filled so that we are a strong people prepared to share this message with the world. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this time. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. Here in Revelation chapter number 11, beginning in verse 15, we find the seventh trumpet sounding. And the, the really neat thing about trumpets as written in the scriptures is that they have very unique features. They're, they have very unique calls. So the first call that a trumpet would sound would be the call to rally. You would have the trumpet blow in the market square and the people would gather together because the trumpet is the sound that you're going to be able to hear from miles of distance away instead of the cry of a voice. And so the trumpets would be blown to call people to come together for an assembly. A lot like back in the old days when, when you were living up in the mountains or you were living out here in the prairies and the church would gather together, well, the church bells would ring. And, and the purpose behind the church bell was to alarm anyone that was living at a distance that they want to get on to church because the services are getting ready to start. And so that bell would serve the same purpose as the trumpets for the call to assembly. Now, the second thing that a trumpet is going to do is that it is going to be blown for warning. As the watchmen would keep watch on the walls of Jerusalem uh, day and night, if they saw an enemy approaching, it was their duty to blow the trumpets. Now, the sound of the trumpets call from the warning to the sound of the trumpets call of the assembly would be two totally different sounds. And for the purpose that the people, when they learn the sounds of the trumpet, they know what, what's coming. And so this is one of the reasons why you'll find that, that John writes these points out as being seven trumpets is because the people would understand the sound of the trumpet and what he's trying to say about these woes that are being poured out upon the earth at each trumpet's sounding. These are the warning sounds. These are the, the people like John watching the, the wall of what is to come and, and giving people warning for, for God, the, the owner of the kingdom, so that they would not have to face that perdition or perish, but that they could be saved so that we find in, in this point that you have the trumpet of assembly, then you have a trumpet sound to warning, warning people of a danger that is to come. 
Then the third trumpet sound that you're going to have is war. It's calling to war. That third trumpet sound is the, is the sound of attack. It's the sound of strike. And it is very powerful when, when different forces are, are flanking and surrounding an enemy to coordinate an attack, they would all blow their trumpets to a certain sound that they understood, but that the enemy was unaware of. Now that the enemy heard the trumpet sound, it would be a warning to that enemy as he heard the sound, but it would most likely be too late, because as the trumpet was sounding, the forces would, would know to strike it at that coordinated moment and they'd be getting hit from two to three sides depending on where the trumpets sounded from. So these are the the uses of the the biblical times of what the trumpets would be. And so uh, an unofficial fourth would be the announcement of the king. Now, of course, you know when the when the king arrives, everyone breaks out the trumpets. Everyone blows the trumpets, and and there that would be a time of triumph. So you have the trumpets of assembly, you have the trumpets of warning, you have the trumpets of war, and then you have the trumpets of 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 rejoicing or the trumpets of of entrance would be for the king as he comes. These trumpet sounds, of course, as we've already made mention of, as found here in Revelation chapter number 11, are twofold. One, they are the trumpets of warning. They are alerting us as the children of God of the dangers that are to come so that we may go and tell others so that they wouldn't have to fall under that wrath which we know to come. They are also the, the trumpets of us, the, the trumpets of war. And it's very important to understand that is because as these trumpets are blown, the the thing in which they are calling for is coming to pass. And so this is a means by which God has gone to war against rebellious mankind and, and is fulfilling the promises of the covenants that he had made with the martyred saints as well as fulfilling the promises of the covenants that he made with Israel and fulfilling in the fulfillment of these things, he's he's literally gone to war against the Antichrist like he went to war against Pharaoh back in Moses' day. And so that he is blowing these trumpets, <clears throat> everything that they announce that is to come to pass, which is the trumpet of warning for us in this day because we see it before it's actually going to happen. We have some foresight here so that we can give people warning about the, the time in which this would happen. But it's also the thing that is going to happen. It is the declaration of war that God has made against the earth and against man because of the corruption that resides in it. Very important to understand. And then this seventh trumpet, not only is it a warning, not only is it a proclamation of war, but it's also a trump, a trumpet of triumph because it's announcing the, the triumph of our king. Take a look. In verse number 15, to begin in reading, it says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ 
and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings and noises and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. I mean, these just amazing natural-based disasters like the lightnings and the thunderings and the earthquake and the hail, all of these things that, that would be seen as concerning the promise of his covenant that is being fulfilled for, for old covenant Israel, for the new covenant church, for the covenant that he makes with his, his martyred saints of, of this particular period, it, it's just phenomenal to consider the, the authority, to consider the, the great power, as he had said in verse number 17, because you, you have taken your great power and reigned, uh, understanding that the nations were angry. <laughs> the nations have been angry. The nations have been at war against God. Even God's own people in many times throughout history have been at war against their own God. I mean, that the reality of the nations of the world being angry uh, because they they have that, that, that notion within them but they just to destroy they they are corrupt whereas we were created as an adam a sinless creature that that was filled with the glory of god that walked with god daily in the garden and had intimate fellowship and connection with holiness and with purity in that choice that was made by Adam that he would eat that fruit and stand in rebellion to God, that their eyes be opened and they would see themselves naked and shame would flood their souls, that they would go from that point into a corruption that we would find even in our modern day, which is which is a, an amazing a depth of, of wickedness that would reside not just in the hearts of those who are separated from God and who have no knowledge of him at all, but I'm talking about the hearts of those of us who have heard the word of God, who, uh, who attend a church, who, who at least have grown up in church but no longer attend because we've got better things to do because we've already taken care of all of that salvation stuff and we're fine so we're just going to go live our lives without worrying about it and whatever we have to make up at the end we'll just try and balance out by bargaining with God like we were something the depth of 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 wickedness that floods through the people that claim even to be the children of God is of such a great uh, just it's so great in this modern day that that when you look at verse number 18 and it says that the nations were angry it makes perfect sense. I mean, we'll go all out to war against each other over the color of our curtains and the and the benches and the carpet of the floor inside of the sanctuary in a church. We'll 
we'll, we'll go to war in, in, in a lot of places. You've seen even splits for in, inside of churches happen because of such disagreements at, at business meetings and, and that we're angry with each other. We're angry with God, even though we claim to be his best friend, even though we claim to be his best servants. The, the reality of the 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 separation that we have from God being found in that war that that we go against within those those kinds of meetings it just makes it evident that that what we thought we were servants or close to God that we didn't even know God because this is not the decree of God we're not following or obeying his word we're not we're not being the true servants of God when we're acting like the devil now are we and so that we find ourselves in this collective here the nations were angry, but look what happened because of that. The wrath of God has come. Now, there is a great deal of difference between anger and wrath. Ang being angry often comes at the onset of having malicious thoughts about something that has happened. Someone has upset you. Someone has said something about you. Someone has walked up and punched you <laughs> or smacked you or, or, or is joking on you and belittling you and, and, and mocking you. And so this is building up this, this frustration that turns into anger and, and that angry state is just a vengeful state of getting back at them and it is an ungodly state of mind. Now, wrath, and especially when we're dealing with the mind of God and the wrath of God, this is not a wrath that is born of anger. This is a wrath that is born from justice. This is a wrath that is just in itself because of the holiness of God and his being as that he is perfect and that there is no unrighteousness or sin that would be found within him, that his wrath, when it is applied, is applied justly because of the deserving that we have of his wrath being upon us because we are ungodly in our anger against his will. We're ungodly in our anger against his way, against his people, against his house. So we find that when the nations were angry, that in that point the wrath of God has come. And at that and at the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants. Now and in verse number 18, I want you to see the connection here. Uh, we're going to head over to Matthew real quick. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 25. We're going to look down at verse number 31. And the scripture beginning in verse number 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, and but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. 
I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then, in verse number 41, he will say to those on, on the left hand, which would represent the goats, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also will answer him, saying, When did we see you hungry or thirsty or, str- or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will, he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the, ri- the righteous into eternal life. Now, it's, it's very important to understand the context that is being found here in Matthew 25 as well, as, as dealing with the, the, the situation that everybody is standing in, in this throne room at this particular period of time. And I liken this throne room as being the, the Revelation 20 throne room that, that is represented, where you have the sheep on one side as he has divided them, and the goats on the other, and the book of life would be opened unto the sheep that would be found on his right hand. And and those on the left hand would be found being judged out of the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And and the deeds being, of course, listed in, in Matthew 25 here. But a very important context to all of this is, is that you're dealing with a group of people who were religious. And what you discover about that is, is that, that rather it would be under the guise of Christianity or under the guise of all of these other uh, religions that are that are false and not in Christ, and a lot of religions that that connect themselves to being called Christianity are false. <coughs> Pardon. But that that you would find that these people are recognizing their works. You know, you you look at Matthew chapter number seven, and and he is dealing with these people. When he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I have never known you. But remember when he said that there will be many in that day who, by the way, are acknowledging him, saying, Lord, Lord, have we not done these things in your sight? Didn't we start up the soup kitchens and and, and didn't we visit the sick and didn't we cast out devils inside of people by your authority and name? We, we did all of this. Why, how can you say that, that we're not welcome here, and is say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, and so that we understand that religion isn't enough. Or we find that, that, that just going to church isn't going to get you through the gates, that, that, that putting in a tithe and, and, and putting in some service, changing light bulbs or cutting the grass or, or being called a deacon and, and, or, or holding meetings or all of these other things, these, these, these outward things, it's, it's just not going to be enough. All of the works that you could possibly do 
to think that you could satisfy God would never be enough because God wants your heart. God wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you. That the works that come out of you are works that are born from the relationship that you have with Him. That He can ask of you anything and that you will be willing to do so not because you're trying to get accolades, fame, fortune, or, or any of those other things, but that because the Lord had asked you to do this thing, it would be your pleasure to serve Him in doing it. So that we find as much pleasure in preaching behind the pulpit as we find in cleaning the toilets, as we find in, in, in taking care of children's church, as we find in the Sunday school classes, that we would be a people that, that would be able to rejoice in the opportunity to do these things and the chance to come together as a church and fellowship as the brethren in Christ Jesus of the opportunities that God would give us to be able to, to make his name known among the people around us. These are all things that, that, that should be the, the treasure of our soul and the regular longing for for us to be able to find to do instead of the drudgery of having to get up to go to church, or the drudgery of having to have this meeting, or having to do this, or having to do that, where it becomes just chores that I have to do in order to be able to try and make my dad happy, rather than, than d just being thrilled that I get to do something that makes my dad happy. And, and the, the recognition of this in Matthew chapter number 25, now I'm going to go back to Revelation chapter number 11, and you can see that, of course, the nations are going to be angry when the wrath of God comes because the nations believe themselves to be just fine the way they are. The nations think that they're doing okay. They think that they're doing God's service. Much of the nations would believe that there is nothing wrong with them, that there is no necessity of repentance, that they're doing just fine, that everything will work itself out, and that whatever is forgotten or passed over, God will just forgive in time. So that the, the nations would not care until the wrath of God has come. And when the wrath of God comes, the nations burst. They burst because they don't understand why they're having to go through this. They burst because they don't understand why God would be so furious over, over the little, quote-unquote, the little things they think that are, that are ridiculous. But they don't know God. And, and the scripture makes that known when it when the scripture says that even though they they were with God, they didn't recognize God's Romans chapter number one, beginning in verse number twenty, it says that he, even though they they were with God, they didn't recognize God. They they worshiped the creature more than the creator who made it. And and they, they went into their their pernicious or pernicious ways. And so also you'll find that the scripture says that they had a form of godliness. It's like those people who said that we cast out devils in your name and we did all of these works in your name and, and they had a form of godliness. They were much like Pergamos or much like Thyatira. They were much like Ephesus. They had a, a great form 
of godliness, but they had abandoned the love they had for Jesus at the first. They had taken up doctrines of Jezebel like Thyatira or Balaam and and, and the Nicolaitans like Pergamos. They, they had ended up becoming a church that, that seemed very alive to the world because of the way in which the world was comforted by the messages that were coming from it. Instead of being alive to Christ, where the conviction of the Holy Spirit was able to to touch the hearts of man because of the power and authority of God's word being proclaimed like a Sardis church. And so we find that the nations indeed are going to be angry when the fullness of God's wrath comes because the people still are going to reject the idea that they were wrong, that they had any problem. They're going to think that they were just fine and they're not going to understand nor would we understand fully why we were in so much trouble. I mean, you think about when, when you're a little kid and then magnify this by, by like a trillion times before God, but when you're a little kid and, and you're with your buddy or you're by yourself and you're looking at this thing that you've been told not to do by your parents and you're, you're, you're reasoning within yourself as a little kid, this is no big deal. Why, why should they care about this? Well, certainly they're not going to lose their hat about it if I try it just once. I mean, you know, how much trouble could I really be getting into here if I did this just once? And then you, you, you do that thing. You, you grab that thing, you, whatever it is, the, the situation that you've been warned against by the parents, you get into it. And and then they find out, and they flip out on you. I mean, they're bending you over knee and spanking you and fussing at you and locking you up in your room for 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 punishments and, and all these other things. And as a kid, you're just sitting there going, man, these guys are overreacting. It isn't that big of a deal. What you see is not being so big of a deal. They know that will become a big deal. They know that if you continue in the path of whatever it is, for instance, myself with smoking, as, as I steal cigarettes off the top of my grandma's refrigerator back in the day, because I wanted to be cool with with the other guy in, in the community with about my age, maybe a little older, I wanted to be cool with all these guys in my community. So I was, you know, I was grifting cigarettes off the top of my grandma's refrigerator and, and we're all out there smoking. I mean, what difference does it make? It isn't hurting anything, right? Of course, I know that, that in longevity, as I continue to smoke, I'm bringing health risks, I'm bringing issues, I'm, I'm, I'm destroying my lung tissue, I'm destroying, uh, I'm messing up a lot of stuff internally in my body, but you don't really ever pay attention to it because it happens so gradually, it happens so slowly, the devastation that you're actually killing yourself with these cancer sticks, but the, the the timing the the degradation and and is just so slow in its process of destroying you that 20 or 30 years later when I've got lung cancer I've got complications uh, COPD I'm I'm hacking up buckets full of 
of goo. I'm, you know, all of these other issues where I can't breathe anymore because I've totally destroyed my lung tissue over that period of time. And every time a, a pack would be purchased, it would be to the mindset of, well, this isn't really all that bad. It's not bothering me right now. It's not, it hadn't hurt me in the last 10 years. So I'm not too worried about it. But that's the reality of, of when God's wrath comes. You see, people are doing all kinds of wickedness every day. And they don't really consider it. And even you, Christian, and myself, these are things that need to be considered because we might be engaging in wicked things. We might be engaging in wicked thoughts. We might be engaging in in. in and hateful speech. We might be angry with neighbors or angry with brethren in the church, angry with pastors and angry with with jobs and bosses. And we're harboring all of this wickedness. We, we just dismiss it. We don't think about the need to repent of it because it's normal and it's not really all that bad. So we, we just carry it and we build on it and, we, and, and that, that that wickedness just keeps increasing, and there's going to come a time when we face the, the the judgment of God. We see this in Revelation chapter number eleven. Here we see that we face the judgment of God, and and we just I think a lot of times don't realize that that the believers are going to have to go through this judgment as well as the, as the dead, as well as the lost. The believers are going to have to go through this judgment. And there is an issue of of wood, hay, stubble that even the believers, even the faithful. Now, if you've gone apostate, if if you have claimed Christ and and you, you have even served him for a period of time, but then you had reached a conclusion in your heart that that this is just a hoax, that it doesn't really matter, and you you abandon Christianity, you abandon your faith and you claim to, to not even be a believer anymore. Well, that that apostasy or apostate position, that's exactly what an apostate is. That apostasy has, has proven the reality that you were never of Christ. The scripture would say those who have left us were never with us, for had they been with us, they would be serving the Lord alongside us, but that they have left is proof that they were never a part of Christ. And so the, those are in perdition. Those, this, the wood hay stubble judgment I'm talking about ain't going to be applied to you. The fiery judgment of the second death will be on your shoulders but those children of God who even find themselves in active service to their king but still harbor these wickednesses of hatred, harbor these wickednesses of anger, these wickednesses that, that would be inside of them, they face a judgment of God that is a fiery trial recognized in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that, that they will go through on the other side. They will make it through this judgment it's because the promise of God is, is still certain. But they'll have nothing on the other side of that fire, whereas those who had amassed the gold, silver, and precious stones of seeking repentance and having their sins forgiven and serving the Lord with a pure heart fervently, they will receive of the blessing of the gold and silver and precious stones, which I personally believe are the lives of the people that they've touched with the gospel because they, their desire was to serve their Lord. And, and and the others of the wood, hay, and stubble are the people who did everything just to be able to gain gain more 
pleasure on earth, gain more treasure on earth. Those those believers who who very much had a carnal mind that the reason why they were doing the things that they were doing is because they had to, not because they got to. And his wrath will come. The scriptures is clear. And the praise of all of this is found in verse number 15. And this is the blessing. It said, when the seventh angel sounded, this is why I said that in this case of Revelation chapter number 11, it's a threefold trumpet sound, is because one, we, we understand the warning. The warning has gone out to us that we must search our own hearts. It, it says to... In Hebrews, it says, search out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We must search out our own hearts as being believers so that we may find that if there be, like David cried out, any wicked way in me, that we can get it right with God and we can get our heart straight and, and the purpose of our service to the Lord and we can get to work in serving our King. And and also, it is it is the warning trumpet, but it is the trumpet of war. And so we know that when this trumpet sounds that God is coming to judgment, that God is going to to bring the earth unto judgment and that there is no escaping the the wrath of almighty God. But we also know that this trumpet is the trumpet of triumph. For the scripture says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so this is the, the, the proclamation of the authority of God and Messiah Jesus. It is the proclamation of their authority over all their creation, in specific the kingdoms of man. And that is a great triumph. And the 24 elders, of course, that we've met that are constantly casting their crowns before the feet of, of the throne of God is, is just crying out. We give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, who the one who is and wo- who was and who is to come because you have taken your great power and reigned. Well, hallelujah for that great victory that we see. So... The trumpet of warning. Pay attention, nations who are angry because of the recognition of the wrath of God. Pay attention to the to the understanding that judgment is coming. Christian, pay attention to your own life and service to the king that you may ensure that your heart is right with God so that when you face him, that it will not be in the situation of, of being told to depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Ensure that your heart is right with God. And to the unbeliever, understand that the great wrath of God has come upon you because of your unbelief, because of your rebellion and the rebel inside of you, your 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 war that you're waging against God and the destruction that you're bringing to his creation and that God is going to win. And the only hope you have in this life right now is to repent of your sins and commit your heart unto God. For it is the only hope that you have in, in, unto salvation to be delivered from the very wrath that is promised to come. Hence, we have a trumpet of warning. But also, we, we need to understand the trumpet of war. 
As this trumpet blows, we realize that the temple of God is opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant is seen in his temple and the the, the outpouring of his authority, of his justice, because the Ark of the Covenant is going to be applied and, and the, the thunderings and the lightnings and the earthquakes and the hail and all of these different bowls that are about to be poured out upon the earth, all of the things that are released in, in chapter number 14 going into chapter number 15 and 16, these things that are going to be done as the final judgments of God are going to be recognized as as the, the, the ultimate wrath that had come upon the world until the time of judgment in Revelation chapter 20. So, very important to understand the trumpet of warning, important to understand the trumpet of war, and important to understand the trumpet of triumph in Revelation chapter number 11 today. So I thank God for the blessing of being able to share this with you. Now, tomorrow, I'm, I'm not going to pick up on Revelation chapter number 12 until Thursday, so tomorrow is going to be a treasure because it's going to be Wisdom Wednesday. Amen. And so that we will finally make it to, I believe, um, Proverbs chapter number 4, which is going to be an exciting place and one of my favorite sections in Scripture, aside from all the other favorites that I've got, as concerning the, the principle of wisdom. And so it'll be a blessing to have you guys gathered together for Wisdom Wednesday and uh, what a thrill it will be. And then we'll pick up at Revelation chapter number twelve on on Thursday, provided because I've I've got a, I'm starting to get a, a a gunky throat. So the the rest of my family has gone through being sick all this last week, but I have narrowly escaped the margin. But I think that now that they're all getting better, it's going to catch up to me. So <laughs> I I might have a down day. Um, coming rather Thursday or Friday. I don't know. I'll have to put a message out if I do. But but if I can be here and I can be with you, then that's a guarantee because I love sharing the Word of God. So with that, let's thank the Lord for the blessing of this day. Thank you, Father. It's a treasure to be able to hear your trumpet sound. And we know that in promises of the, the rapture that is to come, that the sound that we hear will be as the trumpet Lord, you said at, at the last trumpet, at the trumpet sound, the dead in Christ shall rise, and then we who are with them will be gathered up together in the clouds of the airs. First Thessalonians would reveal in chapter 4 that it's the voice of Christ that is that great sounding of the trumpet. And so that that voice would be the trumpet of triumph, and Lord, that that voice would be the trumpet also of war. For in that you pull your saints off this earth, you prepare the earth for the purpose of the four winds to blow. And that as that 144,000 that we met in chapter 7 were sealed with your name in their foreheads, that the winds could be released, Lord, we hear them blow. So we ask, Father, for that blessing be upon us as we come to understanding these things today. And that we may be able to rejoice in the work of your hands and in the, in the way that you have revealed your truth to us. Give us a heart of warning others of the wrath that is to come, that, Father, they may know you, the only true God, and your Son, and whom you have sent for our salvation and deliverance from these wicked and trying times. 
We thank you and praise you for everything you have done in us, with us, and through us. And we pray, Lord, that you will watch over us in these days in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. And I'll catch you tomorrow, God willing, for a taste of Wisdom Wednesday. Take care now.